Let's do this! What's going on, everybody? It is episode 105 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Now, this is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM, but you knew that. However, if you're new around here, my name's Jordan. I'm at Sir DRJM on all socials, but especially over on Twitter, where you can follow me, you can tweet at me, you can DM me, because I'd love to interact with you over there. You can bring me questions, you can bring me comments, you can bring me concerns, topics, whatever you've got for the show, as they relate to Overwatch, the Overwatch League, Overwatch 2, of course, Blizzard games, or just video games in general, as I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to bring your items to the show, and we can play with them here. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So go ahead, give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, while I'm at it, if you did enjoy what you heard here, go ahead and check out episode three of the Grow Up Level Up podcast, a new podcast started by Samson XP. That's at Samson XP over on Twitter. You can follow him. He's doing a podcast where he interviews different people who play games and are, you know, for all intents and purposes, with the exception of me, adults. Uh, and he talks to them about all manner of how games have affected their lives, how they uh, integrate them into their lives, and how they use them and have fun playing. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, but I already mentioned that. So, while you're seeking out Grow Up, Level Up, and One Man Watchpoint, you can also catch me over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. That's Ready, Set, P-W-N, also available on podcast services everywhere. Uh, Ready, Set, Pwn is a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant universe of course in the overwatch league now over there you can hear my co-hosts chris alex and myself talk about everything canadian overwatch uh overwatch league in general and of course you can also catch interviews with some names from the overwatch league uh shout outs to sean miller vp of actually not even vp head of the overwatch league nowadays uh, Baroy, GM for the Vancouver Titans, Kasora's head coach for the Toronto Defiant, and of course, Papa Punk, Punk's dad, of course, Tank for the Vancouver Titans. So I know that's a lot, but check out Ready Set Pwn and check out the Grow Up Level Up podcast for all your at Sir DRJM action and for some good old Overwatch League talk. Now, that's all. I've got to pimp at the beginning of the show, but we've got a good show to get through here, as it is, of course, your Owl Season 6 preview. That's right, the Overwatch League is starting this Thursday. That is April 27th, and I could not be more hyped. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Let's get to work! All right, so as I mentioned, we are going to be getting in here. We'll be talking everything Overwatch League Season 6 and a few announcements that have... Uh, come out around that and of course at the later half of today's episode we will be covering the upcoming weekend's games and uh, maybe making some predictions however there are no pickums unfortunately so we won't be getting into that but we certainly will make some bets now before we get into all of that 
Let's take a little spin around the world of Overwatch, and we'll just see what other news there is, of course, out right now. Now, there is one thing that I do want to note, and that is that this past week, there was actually a developer interview with some of the developers. Um, I believe Aaron Keller, game director, may have been there, but I'm not actually going to cover a lot of what they talked about there, because a lot of what they talked about is kind of just... It's kind of just one-liners, you know, little little smaller details that I personally find interesting. It's kind, of, but it's kind of just a headline. Um, if you want to hear, I can I can you know read just a couple of them off real quick here. Um, there's some Life Weaver changes that are coming. Uh, of course, we know they're getting rid of the parting gift that he drops when he is killed. Um, so that's you know, something. Of course, we know we've got a new control scheme coming as well for him. I'm not sure if that's out yet or not. Uh, but overall, you know, watch for that. They talked a little bit about Roadhog abilities, reworks being worked on. Uh, May primary fire changes are almost ready for, for unveiling. Of course, Sombra's rework is, is going to be uh, a little ways out still. We, of course, know that there's some Moira changes coming. Uh, I think they mentioned at some point that, you know, um, some characters like Genji and Widowmaker are actually performing pretty much where they want them to be, but they may look at them in the future, um, things like that. Uh, and one of maybe the bigger headlines to come out of uh, out of that uh, developer interview is the fact, of course, that we're going to get an update on the Overwatch 2 roadmap. So that is a little bit more of an exciting announcement because we did, of course get the initial roadmap coming into the launch of Overwatch 2, where they talked, I think, leading into and uh, including Season 3. And they may have mentioned, you know, uh, things beyond that. There, Of course, there will be updates and changes beyond that, but they didn't really go into much detail past there, right? I think at that time, they, they did announce that we'd be getting alternating new maps and uh, new heroes uh, in the different seasons, of course. But I think season three was kind of where most of the details ended. Um, so anyways, of course, with season four coming out, we got the unveiling of Lifeweaver and a whole bunch of uh, the, the Star Watch announcements, things like that. So that was great. But of course, we don't know much beyond season four. And even in season three, they had actually started talking about season four as well. So we were getting a little bit of a sneak peek ahead. Of course, looking beyond season four, we haven't heard much. Now, of course, I just rifled off a number of headlines there. Uh, that potentially could be season five, could be further out. But in my mind, those changes, although they will coincide with the season dropping, they're not necessarily um, changes that, I guess, uh, uh, are synonymous with the season. They're kind of, in a lot of ways, changes that they could really drop at any point if they wanted to, right? A change to a character could be a hotfix, could be a patch, could be an update. Um, whereas, you know, a rework to a character is probably going to coincide with with um, an actual season drop kind of thing. So anyways, we're getting into a little bit of semantics here, but I don't necessarily think that they've really unveiled too much that is actually, okay, season five, this is what we're getting, right? They've talked sort of more nebulously about a lot of these things. Okay, Sombra rework we've known has been in, in the, you know, in in the oven for a while, but it's still a little ways out. Um, and some of those other things, Moira re rework as well, um, looking at Roadhog's tool uh, kit and everything. We know these things have been talked about. We know they've kind of been in development, but we don't really have much concrete information about them, nor should we, I think, right? Until they're ready and, and confident about when they're going to be releasing those, I don't really think they 
they need to talk too much about them other than the fact that, hey, we're working on it. Um, and, you know, they kind of whet our appetite by giving us some teasers about, oh, you know, yeah, we we want to make Sombra more lethal and things like that, throwing around these terms that kind of really mean nothing. Um, so anyways, the point is, we have a developer or a, uh, a a roadmap update coming soon, which is great to hear because, of course, that's what we like to hear. That's what we like to see on One Man Watchpoint. We like to see that more future thinking path. We like to see the, okay, this is now a live service game. We, we know that. Um, it's free to play, obviously. There's a very low barrier to entry. And, of course, we also know that um, that the first couple of seasons did actually generate some good revenue for uh for activision blizzard now is that the community sentiment is that the twitch numbers uh not necessarily so hopefully we see some more changes and they kind of stick with it even if that's the case however if it's making the money they're going to stick with it regardless of what the you know twitch viewers are uh, are saying and things like that so in any case exciting stuff i'm glad to see that we'll be getting a roadmap update soon um i am excited to see what's on the horizon and i'm especially excited to finally hopefully get a little bit of a tease for what might be coming pve wise of course i think that's that's maybe a big part of what everyone's been kind of harping on is when are we going to get this uh this pve i know i had talked on previous episodes about i could have sworn that they had said season three was going to be uh, the launch of PVE, and I was holding on to my Watchpoint coins uh, for that, and then that came and went, and I was ticked, and then apparently, I, you know, I spoke about that over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, and Chris kind of corrected me and said, I don't think they actually said season three. He said, uh, you know, somewhere in 2023, we would be getting that, and of course, season three was the second season of 2023, I believe. I think season season one went October through November, Season two would have been partway through the new year. So season three would have been the fully first fully 2023 season. So anyways, I digress. Um, it's interesting. I'm, like I say, I'm excited. I'm hopeful that we'll be getting that, that big unveiling of what does PVE look like? How does it affect us? What changes can we see? And again, I've also talked about how I really felt like season three going into season four, we were starting to see or hear a lot more about the actual vision that, Activision Blizzard, or Blizzard really, uh, that Team 4, if you will, really wanted to bring to the table uh, when they were launching Overwatch 2. And of course, we know that, you know, it launched probably before it was ready in their eyes, certainly before it was ready in most of the community's eyes. Um, but the point is, uh, I think we, we've started to see glimpses of that, that future that they really want us to be living in. And so hopefully, uh, with a new roadmap update, we will get more of that. Now, that's just my ramblings for today. That, that wasn't even a story. That was just off the top of my head. Let's get into some stories here, and we'll really talk about uh, what's going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, the first thing I want to bring to your attention, we're going to head on over to DotEsports.com with a quick article by Max Michelli posted on April 21st. I should mention, uh, today's stories are going to go wildly out of order because I'm kind of sequencing these as we segue into, of course, a preview of the Overwatch League Season 6. So, let's get in there. This article reads, Prime Gaming gifts Overwatch 2 players $10 worth of Battle Pass tiers for free. Prime Gaming offerings are almost always a boon for players looking to maximize their gaming experience. And this week, a new easily claimable reward is giving Overwatch 2 players a head start on their Season 4 Battle Pass. Beginning today, players can get five tier skips for free through Prime 
Gaming, a gift that typically would cost players 1,000 Overwatch coins, which equates to about $10 in real life. Season 4 began just a little more than a week ago on April 11th, and since then players have started to sprint through the battle pass with some already reaching level 80. But for those who don't have nearly as much time to play for 5 or more hours a day, we can still get to level 80 on our own time, and this Prime Gaming offering serves as a nice little boost. Now, I'm not actually going to read the rest of the article there because, I mean, you get the point. Go ahead and claim that Prime Gaming gift. Get your free uh, Battle Pass levels there and make your way through the Battle Pass. I myself have, uh, I know I've been on record here. Uh, I skipped Season 2 and 3, didn't care too much for the theme, wasn't really playing the game a whole lot after going uh, pretty hard on Season 1. And I am, of course, all in on Season 4, but of course, not Season 4, sorry. Wait, yeah, this is Season 4, right? Yep, Season 4. Um, in any case, I'm uh, back in and I have claimed this. And of course, I'm now uh, working through the Battle Pass. I'm not too far in right now, but I am looking forward to getting back to the game. So get in there. Uh, if you're not sure how to claim this, just Google Prime Gaming Overwatch 2 Reward and you will find a link claim it you got to link your uh, twitch account with your amazon account but of course twitch is owned by amazon so there you have it and you're good to go or your battle net i can't really remember it doesn't matter it's easy to figure out you'll figure it out i trust you now let's get into some interesting stuff about the overwatch league we're gonna head on over to dexerto this time with an article by declan mclaughlin posted on april 18th now this was of course uh shortly after our previous episode dropped but of course, recording the night before, uh, this was a day later for me, so it didn't make it into my last episode. So let's read this here. Article reads, Chengdu Hunters not included in Overwatch League schedule as team's future in doubt. Owl issued a statement on April 18th to address the absence of the Chengdu Hunters from the spring stage schedule. The league said that the team is still working on its direction and that it will update fans as more information comes through. Quote, ahead of our season start, we wanted to share with the community that the Chengdu Hunters are not included in today's schedule announcement as they continue to contemplate the future direction of their team, the statement said. The Hunters were one of the teams impacted by Overwatch 2's shutdown in mainland China, as Blizzard's Chinese publishing partner for its titles NetEase failed to extend or remake its deal as the developer's titles were discontinued across the country. The Hunter's Twitter account tweeted the day of the news saying goodbye and see you again. The team is owned and operated by Huya Inc., which is a live streaming platform in China. OWL has multiple teams based out of China, including the Hangzhou Spark, Shanghai Dragons, and Guangzhou Charge. All three of those teams were included in the league's schedule and have seemingly found a way for its players' base to compete in the Blizzard title before the start of competition. The Hunters don't seem to be as lucky. The team currently has four players listed on its roster and lost Leave and Monk in this year's free agency period. The Overwatch League is set to start on April 27th with West Region competition as the East Region begins on April 29th. So, there you have it. Bit of a stirrup or a shakeup in the uh, Overwatch League, especially over in the Eastern Region, of course, where we already have a smaller number of teams uh, compared to the West Region, of course. As we all know, it was previously... I believe 13 teams in the West and 7 teams in the East, and now it is only 6 teams in the East. And of course, we do know that the East this year is approaching things a little bit differently. They do have a chance for uh, their uh, contenders teams to actually make it into, uh, sort of make it into the season and uh, compete in some of the tournaments and things like that. So it almost seems like there was already a little bit of a contingency plan for something along these lines, uh, given the the access that contenders teams will have to compete. However, of course, 
I don't think anyone truly had, uh, you know, to a, to a certain point, I don't think anyone truly had, uh, you know, Overwatch League team folds on their bingo card this year. So sad to see Chengdu in the situation they're in. Uh, the other thing to note about this is the wording in the official Overwatch League statement is very interesting. Uh, they say they continue to contemplate the future direction of their team, of course, referring to the Chengdu Hunters. And that is just that is just the most confusing statement I've ever heard, if you ask me. Why on earth would we not just be forthcoming about this and say, uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're not around anymore? Uh, it feels a little bit like, obviously, they're, they're trying to leave the door open in case some miracle happens and the Chengdu Hunters can suddenly come back to life. I do feel a little bit like, it's good that the league is giving them that option, but it also strikes me as at what point do they just say, okay, Chengdu is out this season, right? At what point is it too late for the team to, you know, do makeup games or something like that uh, and and really affect everyone else, right? Um, and on top of that, I mean, if they were to come back by some some miracle, what kind of roster are they building at this point, right? They're not, they're certainly not poaching anyone from another team. Um, and, and what kind of talent can they really bring bring up to them unless of course they do bring a contenders team over to them but i mean again reputation is one thing we saw it with vancouver a lot of people didn't want to come to vancouver after what happened with uh, the so-called reckoning right um so it really does kind of throw into question a lot about the organization um and and really i just i don't personally like the fact they're leaving it this open-ended i kind of wish they would um maybe have put this statement out and said something to the extent of uh, the Overwatch League will provide further updates uh, before the start of the season. And then maybe, you know, the day before the season starts, before the official start, they finally say, uh, Chengdu is out, right? I think that's, I think that's in my mind, what really needs to be done here is they need to draw a hard line in the sand. Um, it's unfortunate that this is the situation that the league is in. It's unfortunate that this is the situation, you know, the country of China and, of course, the uh, Chengdu Hunters organization is in. But it is what it is, and I I don't know. It's nothing to really take issue with because ultimately the league is going to do what they're going to do, but I just wish they took a little more of a firm stand on it. But in any case, let's move on. We're going to head on over to uh, another article at DottieSports.com with an article by Michael Zarr posted on April 24th which reads, Overwatch League veteran reunites with former franchise as a content creator. Over the past three years, one of the best off-tanks of the Overwatch League free agent market was Poco, a French veteran who helped lead the Philadelphia Fusion to the Grand Finals in 2018. But after a relatively inactive 2022 season with the London Spitfire, Poco announced his retirement from competitive Overwatch in November. Just before the Overwatch League's 2023 season begins, however, a familiar face is reuniting with the team he joined the league with. Poco is now a part of the Soul Infernal as a content creator, the team announced today. After making his name as one of the most popular players in the league and landing his signature Poco bombs on D.Va over the first years of the Overwatch League on the Philadelphia Fusion, he is coming back to the franchise even after its relocation to Soul. Poco released a video on Twitter explaining this situation, primarily his decision to join his old team and become a content creator for the first time. The start of the video shows him overlooking his old Philadelphia Fusion merchandise, stirring up the nostalgia for Fusion and internal, Infernal sorry, fans. But after finding an Infernal jersey in his merch box and throwing it on, he told his fans what the future holds. He even admitted that this move wasn't expected, but it was something that the Infernal offered and he couldn't help but take it. While Poco didn't go into detail, he 
mentioned coach Rustin Yu, and the team discussed signing him as a sixth man for the roster, but were clear about how he wouldn't get much, if any, playing time, instead focusing on the squad's five core Korean players. Poco himself joked about knowing that feeling from his recent years competing in the league, but the team intended, or sorry, instead offered him a content creator role. From how this signing looks, Poco is purely a content creator for Seoul, and if the team needs a new player for the roster, it will sign one accordingly. While fans won't be able to see Poco bombs in the league matches, he will be donning an Infernal jersey as he does so online on YouTube and Twitch. So this is actually, um, in my mind, kind of a kind of a fun one that we've got here. Obviously, we all know uh, the history that Poco does have with, of course, uh, the Philadelphia Fusion, um, and I did really actually, you know, in, enjoy the little production he put on for uh, for this announcement, uh, going through boxes of his his old Philly stuff. Um, I thought they, they kind of really had some fun with this, and especially the fact that this came from uh, Poco's account himself, not the Infernal account. Would it would have felt a little strange coming from the Infernal account and, and been a little weird? But yeah, I do like how uh, you know in this in this video he opens this box and then pulls out a. Uh, an infernal jersey uh, with his name on it, of course, and everything. So uh, kind of cool as well that we're seeing this sort of uh, cross-pollination between, um, you know, someone who I don't think people would have necessarily uh, thought would really associate with the Soul Infernal, but obviously we do see them kind of pulling on the, the heartstrings, if you will, of Fusion fans and, uh, of course, of fans of Poco as well, who uh, garnered himself quite a following uh, over his years with the fusion so now let's take a look at our final news story of the week where of course uh this is actually going to come from the overwatch league twitter so that's at overwatch league on twitter posted on april 19th of course uh just before the season schedule was announced before after one or the other um we are going to take a look at who's casting for this season of the overwatch league so of course the overwatch league account tweeted we know everyone who's been wait. Oh, sorry we know everyone's been waiting for this one eyes emoji the hashtag owl 2023 desk and then of course they uh highlight who the desk will be and who the casters will be so let's take a look at the nice little graphic they put out here of course, first up are our desk hosts. We've got Zoe Schwind, of course, returning as the uh, likely as the primary host. We've got Johnny Reinforce coming back, and of course, Danny Lim returning as well. Uh, but a new addition to the desk, we've got Jake. That's, of course, uh, at Jake O.W., uh, former coach and player for the Houston Outlaws, of course. Uh, also, I believe he's done some casting before um, during games, and uh, certainly no schlep when it comes to that. So... Regardless, that's our desk. And of course, that raised a few eyebrows about where is Custa? And then we get into our casting pairs. And of course, the answer to that question will come shortly. So our first casting pair on the infographic is, of course, Uber and Mr. X returning together. Uh, I would say probably a bit of a fan favorite as they've got quite the banter back and forth between the two of them. They've then got Jaws now paired with Scott Custa Kennedy. So Scott making the jump from desk over to caster. Um, and actually it was interesting. I was listening to uh, the latest episode of uh, Tactical Crouch, of course, the at Tactical Crouch podcast. Um, and they actually interviewed Custa and he said this is actually a jump he's wanted to make for a while now. Um, kind of being able to be a little more in the moment and a little more involved in the action seems to be uh, his kind of motivation behind, sorry, jumping into a casting role. So Jaws and Cust Custa 
coming together uh, to form a new casting pair. We then, of course, have Vicky Kitty and Necra, both returning from last season, uh, but with uh, as a new pairing. Um, of course, I believe it was Jaws and Necra that were together uh, primarily last season. Um, I don't quite remember who Vicky Kitty was with, but regardless, I think uh, Vicky and Necra were together for some of the Pro-Am tournament, and I actually really enjoyed uh, what they had going between the two of them, so I'm happy to see them back, very excited to hear that. We've then got, I think, uh, at least in my opinion, one of uh, one of my favorite of the newer pairs coming back as well, with Lemon Kiwi and Leg Day returning together. Um, of course, the two of them having a pretty storied history in the contender scene and making uh the jump up to the uh overwatch league this past season now returning as well i'm a big fan of uh, both of theirs and excited to hear from them of course if you're interested in a little behind the scenes with lemon kiwi you can check out the ready set pwn uh podcast last year during the uh toronto summer showdown tournament of course ready set pwn had the opportunity to bring her onto the show and uh have a quick interview with her even though she was live at the event in toronto and then our final casting pair, of course, is Achilles and Avril, uh, both returning as well. Uh, I'm assuming they will uh, largely be covering the uh, Eastern region, as uh, I know they're both uh, they both kind of specialize in that uh, somewhat to a certain large degree. So very exciting stuff there. They, of course, then did reply to that tweet and announced the. Um, the Korean broadcast talent, of course, uh, every single name I'm not familiar with, but I'll shout them out here. We've got Ekeros, we've got Changsik, we've got Melt, we've got Jung Sorum, we've got Simjisu, we've got Strings, we've got The Marine, and YBT uh, all coming in there as well. I have no idea if any of them are returning or, or anything like that, because again, I'm just not following the uh, con- Korean scene. Uh, that's all I've got for you. So, very exciting stuff to see here. I... I'm a big fan of this desk. I'm a big fan of this, uh, these casting pairs really excited to see this. Um, I think I had mentioned previously that the pro-am kind of felt a little bit like they were maybe kind of trialing some of the, uh, contenders casters to see if they wanted to bring them up to, uh, to these ranks. Of course, every face we see here is, uh, returning in some way. Um, you know, Custa being the one to sort of make the, the move, um, and then Jake being the the sort of freshest face, if you will. But uh, regardless, I, I think overall, very exciting, very happy to see this, uh, this desk and caster group coming back. So with all of that said, that's all we've got. So now let's head on over. We're going to jump on into what would normally be our pick'em segment, but of course we don't have any pick'ems. So it's going to be a preview of the upcoming week's matches, but I'm also going to talk a little bit about my own personal power rankings. Can't argue with that. So as I mentioned, I'm actually going to talk about my own power rankings here uh, before we jump into the upcoming matches. Now, the interesting thing here is, of course, uh, last year was the first time I had ever done power rankings, and that was because last year was the first time I was around for power rankings over on Ready, Set, Pwn. So going into this year, I had a little bit better of an idea. I was kind of thinking about it a little bit earlier, um, planning things out. And of course, if you check out the latest episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, uh, you will, of course, find out that it was our power rankings episode. Now, you can also, of course, find it over on Reddit on uh, RCAL. You can find our episode. I believe Alex dropped a link there. You can also join the Ready, Set, Pwn Discord um, Ready, Set, Pwn. Nope, nope. Discord.io slash Ready, Set, Pwn, I think is the URL. Um, but if you check out episode 191 of Ready, Set, Pwn, you will find our Power Rankings episode. Now, the way we do it over there on 
Ready, Set, Pwn, is we, of course, each do our own personal ranking, um, and then Alex does some fancy math, and it actually assigns a number value to each uh, uh, team, and we then arrange them for a a collaborative overall Ready, Set, Pwn power rankings. Now, of course, we have a spreadsheet here, which has Chris's power rankings, Alex's power rankings, and then my power rankings immediately followed uh, there, and then the overall aggregate of the three of us. So on today's episode of One Man Watchpoint, of course, this is my own show, so I'm going to strictly talk about my own power rankings. But I do highly encourage you to go check out episode 191 of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, where you can uh, get a little bit of a uh, more broad view of how, you know, all of us are feeling about some of these teams, and also a little bit uh, more perspective on some of my thoughts on these teams, because I'm not going to do a full three-hour episode where I, you know, go into depth on each of these. Just going to kind of give you a bit of an idea of where I uh, stand on a lot of the teams going into this season. So let's take a look. Now we're going to start at position 20, we're going to make our way up to position one, of course. And I should be clear, these are not technically power rankings. These would, of course, be end of season rankings. So I'm not ranking these teams about how I feel uh, uh, they're going to perform in week one. I'm more so ranking where I think these teams will land at the end of the season, who's going to win it all, who's going to take home the big trophy and everything. One other caveat to this is that before we did any of the rankings, the writing was on the wall for Chengdu. Um, there were rumors that the team was was going to be disbanding, shutting down, or something like that. So we all actually, prior to even the announcement from the league, we all agreed to put them in at 20th because in the season prior, um, of course, they had a roster announced and then there were rumors that they had uh, some turmoil and were going to have to cut some of their players and bring in you know much cheaper players. That, of course, did happen, but it happened after our Power Rankings episode. So I went off, and as did my co-hosts, we all went off uh, the Chengdu roster that was meant to be. And in my mind, I had actually put Chengdu in third place because I was quite high on their uh, their DPS lineup. Now, what was their DPS lineup? It was, of course, uh, season MVP leave along with, who else was it? Was it Aprita or Alpha Yi? I can never quite remember. But in any case, I was quite high on them. And then, of course, the team imploded and uh, they had to get rid of some of their all-stars. I think it was Alpha Yi. So, no, I think it was Aprita. Was it Aprita? Ah, it doesn't matter. Anyways, so we all agreed ahead of time to put Chengdu in 20th. Lo and behold, that was a great decision. So, so I have Chengdu in 20th position. Moving into 19th, I have the Los Angeles Valiant Moving into 18th, I have the Vegas Eternal. Moving into 17th, I have the New York Excelsior. Now, I just kind of blasted those three or four off because I want to kind of talk about them as a whole. So, or as a group, if you will. So, in my mind, the way I kind of do this is I look at all the teams and I look at their rosters and and uh, in some cases their coaching staff as well. Um, and I kind of assign them sort of, sort of a grouping or you might call it a tier, right? So I've got essentially a few rough tiers in my mind. The first one would be, of course, bottom three. We expand that out. We get to sort of a bottom five. We then go into more of a 10 to 15 range. We then get into a few teams that I think are 
not going to place higher than 10th, but aren't necessarily going to be in that bottom five, but could be. So I put them as kind of a bottom 10 classification. I've then got a team or two that I just have no idea about. And then, of course, we get into the higher ranks where we're getting into the, uh, it's not actually a classification that I use, but a top 10 range. So I typically have sort of a 4 to 8, 4 to 7. Uh, we look at sort of uh, a 5 to 10, and then even going into a top 3. So the easiest teams in my mind to rank are, of course, those very bottom and very top teams, right? It's easy to say, okay, I know this handful of teams is going to be bottom three or bottom five. I know this handful of teams is going to be top three. And from there, I then try to slot in the rest of the teams. So when I started this, again, looking at all the teams overall, easy to pick my bottom three for sure, uh, given that we, you know, Chengdu is a freebie. So bottom three, Chengdu, LA Valiant, Vegas Eternal. But then bottom five, honestly, adding on top of that, the New York Excelsior was an easy one for me. And then, you know, to expand it out to actual five, which I haven't said yet, I have the Guangzhou charge in that uh, 16th position. So again, you can kind of see where my head is at. Um, looking at the LA Valiant, I think their their roster was just a collection of whatever they could get at the time. Seemed very last minute, seemed very thrown together, and obviously results in the Pro-Am didn't really inspire much confidence. Of course, if we look at the Vegas Eternal, very similar story, just not much to write home about. The reason I give Vegas the Eternal the edge is because, uh, in my opinion, the players on that roster are more uh, more active, more, more well-roundedly active, if you will, um, whereas some of the Valiant roster comes across more as kind of a question mark. Um, and then the other side of Vegas that I actually give the edge is uh, is the coaching staff. I'm I'm looking forward to what Empress can do there and hopeful that they can, you know, pick up some wins here and there and overall not, not have an entirely uh, toilet bowl season. New York Excelsior. Um, bit of a question mark this year. Of course, we've got Kellen on tank. We've got Fitz and Shockwave on hitscan. We've got Psycho on flex. Lep and Haley on main support and then Creative and Anion on flex support. This is, of course... A bit of a weird one but ultimately haven't been too inspired by anything they've done or signed um we do of course you know being vancouver titans fans we know the impact that uh shockwave can have um we've seen psycho perform well before as well we've seen fits do well um and creative on flex support not a terrible pickup and you know people say that kellen is good as well i'll believe it when i see it but overall i put them above these other teams because it seems like they have pieces that could be good. But at the same time, the story of the New York Excelsior last season were if they get the right meta, if they get the right meta, they could pop off. If they get the right meta, Yaki and Flora can really dominate. That never happened. I feel lesser on this team than I did on that team last season. And if I take a look at my season five power rankings, I actually had New York, wow, way up in 12th. And that was a blunder. So... That's kind of where my head is at with New York. We then come to the Guangzhou Charge, who um, I will admit that the uh, the Eastern Region teams were harder to place this season, in part because uh, of a lack of familiarity with a lot of the, the names and things like that, but also because, of course, we didn't see them play yet. We haven't had, or we didn't have a Pro-Am like we did in the West, right? So you really have, you're going off their history. You don't really have much of a feel for how they're actually playing at this point. 
Um, looking at the roster, though, the Guangzhou charge just, again, doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. We've got Piggy on tank, who we know struggled with uh, places like Houston. Um, Piggy comes across to me as a bit of a Sigma 1 trick. Um, we've got Jimmy, who, uh, you know, turned things around a little bit. I think uh, coming into the scene, I wasn't too excited for him, kind of picked things up a little bit. Um, we've got a few familiar names with Choice Iwan on Flex DPS, Xerneas on main support, and Faraway. Uh, 18, 1987 on flex support so familiar names but again no names that really inspire much confidence so um, that's kind of how they landed in my 16th spot as we move into the uh, 10 to 15 range we then have the in 15th london spitfire in 14th the vancouver titans in 13th the soul dynasty in 12th the washington justice and in 11th, the Soul Infernal. So let me talk about these ten or these five teams for a second here. So of course, London Spitfire put the lowest here. Now, this was a bit of a question mark zone, of course, uh, for the Vancouver Titans and the London Spitfire. I put them both in a 10 to 15 category. Reason being behind that, I could see them reaching 10. And I, if I think, or, or sorry, and if both of these teams do reach 10, I think they're in really good shape. I think if they are 12th, 11th, or 10th, that's a really successful season for them. And I'm talking, of course, at the end of the season. That would put them in a wild card spot with a chance to make it into playoffs. So for both of these teams, I think that would be really good, particularly for the Vancouver Titans. London being in 15th and the lowest of these uh, five teams is because of their performance in the Pro-Am. Now, I do think that you kind of need to take Pro-Am a little bit uh, with a grain of salt. I think we saw a lot there that was good, and we also saw a lot that I think was kind of meaningless. But ultimately, with London being the team that, comparatively to every other team, didn't really change their roster that much. I think they had one or two new additions. Um, I want to say they brought on Sky Ripa. Um, I think they brought on one other player that's not jumping out at me at this very moment. But regardless, uh, with almost every other team making some significant additions or changes, I feel more confident in most other teams than I do London. So that's why they're there. Now, Vancouver being in 14th, again, this is in that 10 to 15 range. I want Vancouver to place more like that 10th, 11th. I would love to see them up there. And on any given day, I think this section could rotate quite a bit, um, especially with some of the teams I've actually got ahead of them. Vancouver... I like how they look right now. I like Punk on Tank. I like Aspire and Sugar Free. Um, Faith and Crimzo, I've heard more than one person sing their praises uh, as individuals, but also as a pair. I'm kind of waiting to see it. Um, you know, people are very high on Crimzo, um, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate the fact that he's a good Canadian boy. But ultimately, I'm still kind of waiting to see it. I, I want to see more proof that this backline can really hold their own. So that's kind of why Vancouver lands in 14th for me. I hope you got some some good ASMR there. Well, I had to uh, take a quick swig of water. Moving on from there, we have the Soul Dynasty for me in 13th, the Washington Justice in 12th, and the Soul Infernal in 11th. So Washington and Soul Dynasty. Overall, um, I think they have some good pieces. Uh, you know, we know Void has a good history for speaking for Soul, of course, on Tank. We know Profit uh, has popped off and been one of the GOATs. Uh, over on the flex dps side of things before 
And then on the flip side, with the Washington Justice, uh, I'm actually a pretty big fan of Ben Best. Um, you know, I, again, I was a big, I was very much looking forward. I think it was Alpha Yi who was on the Chengdu Hunters. I was very much looking forward to seeing Alpha Yi uh, perform on Chengdu with Leave and with Flora, who again has that potential that I spoke of when he was back on New York. Um, that's kind of why I have Washington above the Seoul Dynasty. I believe in more of the individual pieces on Washington than I do on the Seoul Dynasty. But overall, I still don't expect them to be a super well-performing team. And, you know, looking at this now, I would honestly probably put Vancouver in 12th. I think I would bring Vancouver up uh, from where I have them right now. Um, I kind of like the individual pieces that Vancouver has better than both Washington and Seoul Dynasty. So maybe a bit of a blunder on my part there, but regardless. Into the 11th spot, we've got the Seoul Infernal. And again, while I like Soul Infernal, um, it's mostly their hits or their DPS that I like. I like MN3 and I like Zest. Um, I do also actually like their flex support in Skewed. Mag is a bit of a believe it when I see it, but he does have so much, so much uh, belief in him by many of the people who follow the scene closely that I'm I'm willing to put my money behind them as well. So um, that's kind of why I have the Soul Infernal in 11th again, sort of on that outer edge of the top 10. Now we then come into my 10th position where I actually have the Shanghai Dragons. And they're the one team on this list that I literally labeled them in a tier of question mark, question mark, question mark, because I have no idea what's happening with them. I have no idea why they've made the decisions they've made. I have no idea why they've signed the people they've signed in the positions that they've signed them. So for a reminder, Fleta is in the tank role. Hisu is in hitscan DPS, that makes sense. Viper is a flex DPS who I've never never known but is a rookie. Gangnam Jin is in the main support. And then Diem is coming out of retirement to play flex support with Bebe. So just overall, this roster is the biggest question mark for me. I feel like there's a clear reason behind almost every other team with the exception of the Shanghai Dragons. You look at a team like Valiant and you see their team is a few decent pieces, but a few of they got what they could, right? They called up some names from contenders because they could sign them. Vegas, obviously, we know they are a carryover from what the Paris Eternal was uh, towards the second half of the last season, right? So there's at least a thread there that we can follow. This team blows my mind. I really had no idea where to put them. So in an effort to be fair, I weighted them pretty heavily based on the fact that their head coach, Coach Moon, knows what he's doing. And I believe in him, so I'm putting my faith in him, and I put them in 10th. I don't think I can realistically make an argument for them being any higher than that because the top 10 is very competitive. So let's look at my top 10. The next category, you know, I talked about those categories that I made that I have is the actually in a league of their own one to 10. And that's the Boston Uprising. So I have them in ninth, but in my mind, this team could place as high as one or as low as 10. Again, do I think it's realistic that they place probably first, second, third, maybe even fourth? Not really. I think they wind up closer to that 5 to 10 range. But if everything goes well for them, they could be a dominant force. I personally don't think it's going to. I think egos are going to get in the way. I've talked about this team before. Um, there are now rumors of, of throwing scrims, of being late for scrims, of bailing on scrims, things like that. Now, again, those should be taken with a grain of salt because, you know, who knows what's really going on? It could it could honestly just be mind games. They could just be messing with everyone. 
But regardless, I put them here because I don't believe it. I don't believe in the magic that some people are seeing in Boston. Moving on from there, in our eighth position, I have the Toronto Defiant. And it pained me to do this. I put Toronto in a sort of 4-7, to 4-8 to eight range. And that's because I truly think that this is where things get really competitive. It's this eighth position and higher. Um, these teams on almost any given day, I could convince myself to real- realistically put higher, especially the next probably four or five teams. Uh, yeah, probably the next five teams. I could swap the positions of these teams almost on any given day and be pretty happy about it. So I've got Toronto Defiant in 8th, I've got Florida Mayhem in 7th, I've got Gladiators in 6th, I've got Hangzhou Spark in 5th, Dallas Fuel in 4th. That's a really competitive tier, or section if you will. I've got Florida one spot above Toronto, because I see those two teams as almost equivalent. Very, uh, very much rivals this season. I think we're going to see a great rivalry between the two. Obviously they have, some of the players have a bit of history with uh, Florida, but also with the Pro-Am tournament, uh, Florida just looking so clean, obviously winning the tournament. And I do think that Florida probably has a more likely chance of placing higher than Toronto in the overall season. But I do still think that Toronto can punch up quite a bit from this eighth spot. I think Toronto, I would hope that Toronto gets top five. That's going to be tough given some of the competition here. I would also actually hope the same for Florida. As a Florida Mayhem fan, I would hope the same for Florida. But again, if we have to drop another team from the top five in order for Florida to get in the top five, I'm probably dropping Toronto. One other team, though, that is in that equation that I could drop from the top five is the Los Angeles Gladiators. So again, in my rankings, eighth is Toronto, seventh is Florida, sixth is Gladiators. I think Gladiators, to me, although they did very well in the Pro-Am tournament, and they've got a lot of great pieces, obviously their uh, their DPS lineup is maybe second to none uh, with with. Kevster being the all-star there, um, and then some really great pieces around him. The Gladiators strike me as a team that I think other teams will figure out and learn how to counter and work around. So I'm a little bit nervous for them to see a bit of a dip from where they were this season. After that, in the fifth position, I have the Hangzhou Spark, and in the fourth position, the Dallas Fuel. These two, again, could swap positions on any given day, and could pretty easily swap with those other teams that I have in that 8-4 to four range. Um, but ultimately, I put Hangzhou after Dallas Fuel because of, again, the coaching edge that uh, uh, Coach Rush gets with his history with the Dallas Fuel players. Of course, Hanbin, Edison, Sparkle. Um, he's got some new players in there with Bliss and MCD, but ultimately, I, I believe in what he can do with them. I do like the Hangzhou Spark quite a bit, especially their DPS lineup with Shy and Leave. I'm very hopeful that Leave will return to his former self and uh, really be able to pop off with Shy. Um, ultimately, where Hangzhou kind of loses the edge is the tank roll, because I think Hanbin is is going to you know dominate on the Dallas fuel. So then we finally get into our top three section here, and this is where things get really dicey. These top three teams, I think I was changing right down to the wire, uh, really kind of going back and forth and debating where I think uh, these teams will land. So for me, in third place, I've got the Houston Outlaws. In second place, I've got the Atlanta Reign. And in first place, I've got the San Francisco Shock. So Houston, for a while, I actually had them in fourth. I will admit I was swayed by other power rankings, and I moved them to third. 
And then it became a question of, do I put Shock or Atlanta in first? I did wind up landing on Shock in first and sort of buying into the hype and the promise that is the O2 Blast uh, team coming together under Coach Krusty with, uh, you know, one of the most storied coaching staffs around the Overwatch League. And that's why I gave Shock the edge over Atlanta. Overall, Atlanta is a very scary team. I could see, although, although, like I say, I could see these top three teams all being very, you know, changing positions on almost any given day, just like I've said about a bunch of the other tiers. I could really see Shock and Atlanta duking it out for first place. It will be a very exciting season, given how much talent is in. Not only these top three teams, but realistically, these top eight, nine, ten teams, uh, it's going to be one of the most competitive seasons we've seen yet. That's for certain. Now, of course, we're all done that. I wanted to touch on all of that because I've never done my own power rankings. So let's call this my own power rankings. Exciting stuff. Very interesting. I hope you all enjoyed. But now let's take a look at our upcoming matches this coming week. Of course, the season six of the Overwatch League 2023 season starting this Thursday in the West and this Saturday in the East with lesser games in the East, of course. So let's take a look. Starting on Thursday, April 27th at 1 o'clock p.m., we kick things off with, and this is, of course, 1 o'clock p.m. in Mountain Time. The best time zone there is. We kick things off with the San Francisco Shock against the Toronto Defiant. Bit of a grudge match here, some would say, with uh, a few uh, you know connections between the two teams. Um, of course, we've got head coach Casoras coming from the San Francisco Shock organization. We then, of course, also got our uh, tank in Kaluge coming from the San Francisco Shock of old, right? Um, so there's that thread. We then, of course, have a couple of players on the Shock that played with Kaluge. And ultimately, we have the Pro-Am tournament where the San Francisco Shock did not perform super well. And the Toronto Defiant, although they did perform better, uh, also, you know, didn't perform incredibly well. You know, they didn't make it to the finals or anything like that. But I think we do have a bit of a grudge match here. So this should be a really exciting way to start off the season. Uh, if I were doing pickums, I would give this edge to the Toronto Defiant. I'm going to go with Toronto taking this win. Um, I think San Francisco will take a little bit more time to get into their groove, although I do think they'll be dominant. Obviously, I just mentioned on my power rankings, I have them in first place. I think they will figure things out, but I think for now, Toronto is going to take advantage of that existing synergy and existing experience in the Overwatch League and beat the San Francisco Shock. Now, that's not to downplay the the uh, fight that San Francisco will put up, because San Francisco, of course, we do know they have pre-existing synergy as well. The one thing that they lack, I think, is the experience in the Overwatch League. So, moving on from there, the Washington Justice take on the London Spitfire. Now, of course, if you were paying attention, I have the Washington Justice in 12th place on my power rankings, and London in 15th. This match could be a bit of a toss-up. I'm hopeful... I kind of want to see London get beat here. Although I'm never one to cheer for Washington, I want to see Ben Best get a win here, and, and I'm going to give the edge to Washington. Moving on from there, we have the Vancouver Fl Flightons. Titans taking on the Florida Mayhem. Getting a little ahead of myself there. Um, I think Florida will win this match. Uh, in It could be quite handily. I'm hopeful that Vancouver has some good strats under their under their belt and really pulls out some some impressive work here. And I hope they can at least push Florida to the edge if they can't get the win. Um, 
So ultimately, I'm going to side with Florida, but I don't think that's too shocking. Moving on from there, the oh, I'm sorry, and that's our Thursday games. I forgot to mention the times for that. So first match, San Francisco-Toronto was 1 p.m. Washington Justice versus London was 2.30 p.m. And Vancouver Titans-Florida was 4 p.m. We then move to Friday at 1 p.m. where the New York Excelsior will get beaten by the Atlanta Reign. I'm not even going to really touch on that match too much. Then at 2.30 p.m. we have the Houston Outlaws taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators in what promises to be a pretty awesome match. Now this is where the Pro-Am comes a little bit into mind, right? Do we see the Gladiators beat out the Houston Outlaws? Um, There's a good chance that they do. Ultimately in my power rankings, of course, I have Houston higher than the Glads. But anything could happen, and given, you know, maybe teams weren't taking the Pro-Am super seriously, do we see the full strength of Houston come out against the Gladiators here? I very well do think we could. This is a tough one, man. This is a tough one to pick. I'm going to give the edge to Houston. Despite the success the Glads had, if the Glads win this, then next time the Glads play uh, against Houston or against another top team, I might be inclined to pick the Glads. But for now, I'm going to stick with Houston. Moving on from there, our final game on Friday at 4 p.m. is the Vancouver Titans taking on the Los Angeles Valiant. Uh, the Vancouver Titans will win this, and I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I'm just hopeful that they that it's not a super close match. <laughs> I'm hopeful that Vancouver shows their strength and really dominates Gla- uh, Valiant. If they don't, that's worrisome for Vancouver. Moving on from there, we go to Saturday at 1 p.m. when the Washington Justice take on the Vegas Eternal. And here, of course, I'm going to side with the Washington Justice. I do have Vegas, of course, in my 18th spot, so Washington quite a bit higher than them. Uh, I'm actually hopeful in this match that Vegas can put up a good fight. Uh, Although I still give the edge to Washington, I'll have my fingers crossed that Vegas pulls out something interesting here. Then uh, at 2.30 on Saturday, the Valiant will get beaten by the Houston Outlaws. And then at 4 p.m., the New York Excelsior will get beat by the Boston Uprising. Moving on from there, Saturday, April 29th, our final game on Saturday. We actually have four games on Saturday I just clued into. Uh, (laughs) At 5.30 p.m., the San Francisco Shock take on the Atlanta Reign in what might be the match to catch this uh, weekend. Of course, those are my two top teams. Who do I give to the edge to here? Probably the Atlanta Reign, because again, that Overwatch League level of experience, I think, comes into play. Although I am hopeful, again, that Van- or, sorry, that San Francisco will put up a good fight. I think the prowess of the Atlanta players and the fact that none of them are, with the exception of Donghack, are rookies, will really come to light here. Moving on from there, we go into Sunday, April 30th at 1 p.m., where the Florida Mayhem will beat the Vegas Eternal again. Hopefully Vegas can put up a decent fight, but I think uh, Florida gets the win here. Probably no problem. At 2.30 p.m. on April 30th, the Boston Uprising will beat the London Spitfire. And then finally at 4 p.m. to close out the weekend, the Toronto Defiant return to play the Los Angeles Gladiators. And here, I'm inclined to side with the Gladiators, but I'm going to side with the Toronto Defiant. I'm going to put my money on Toronto and say that they can pull out a win here. I'm very, very hopeful that they can. If they can start this season off with a win against the Gladiators, uh, after, I mean, if they can start the season off with a win against San Francisco, that'll be awesome. But if they can start the season off with two wins or one win this weekend, that'll be a great start to the season, especially against either of these teams. If they can win one of these matches, that'll be a banger start for the Toronto Defy. So 
We then head over to the east, of course, where we only have three games all weekend, three games on Saturday, starting at 2 a.m. Mountain Time. The Soul Dynasty take on the Soul Infernal, and I'm going to give it to the Soul Infernal just because I like their DPS lineup more than Soul Dynasty. We then have the Dallas Fuel beating the Guangzhou Charge, of course, apparent by my power rankings, and uh, that's at 3.30 a.m. And then at 5 a.m. on Saturday, April 29th, the Hangzhou Spark will beat the Shanghai Dragons. So there you have it. That's your preview of the first week. That's week one in the 2023 Overwatch League season. I will mention one thing that I have not said so far. Uh, Make sure your YouTube account is connected to your Battle.net or your Overwatch account because there are rewards you can get. Um, I should have pulled those up. I think you can get a banner and some sprays or something to that extent uh, for having them connected and watching a certain amount of, of games and things like that. I believe you can also earn overwatch league tokens although i don't know that they've been super clear about that so in any case make sure you got your accounts connected uh it will be streamed on youtube uh not twitch but i mean hey what else is new uh that's not really news other than the fact that the call of duty league of course is streaming on twitch so a little bit interesting that they're you know splitting things up like that but in any case i'm excited get pumped get hyped because we are now full on hype mode for season six There's more where that came from. All right, and there you have it. That was episode 105 of One Man Watchpoint. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your host, at SirDrJM. That's at SirDRJM on Twitter. You can follow me over there. You can tweet at me. You can DM me. Whatever you've got, questions, comments, concerns, topics, ideas, thoughts, inquiries, whatever, for the show uh, about the Overwatch League, about Overwatch 2, and, of course, about video games in general. I would love to bring it to the show, so hit me up over there. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And, of course, check out the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, but also check out the Grow Up, Level Up podcast, where you can find yours truly uh, each and every week on Ready, Set, Poem and on Episode 3 of Grow Up, Level Up. Thank you so much for listening to Episode 105 of One Man Watchpoint. Tune in next week as we now move back to a weekly schedule covering the Overwatch League and all the action that happens week by week. One Man Watchpoint is your place to be. Aw, thanks everyone.